We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could give this feeling. I wish I could give this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Shout out to the sponsors. It is a busy week for me. NBA Finals time is coming up, and if it wasn't for a canceled flight, I would be in the Bay Area. Instead, I got to watch Game 1 from the crib and be joined by Andres Hale for another episode of the Corner Podcast. It's good. I guess it works out. We get to do the show, you know, nice and normal. I'm here talking to you instead of being, uh, you know, courtside in Golden State. Yeah, this is more beneficial. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm giving up my day instead to be next to Andres Hale. It's scary. It's scary. Scary life. I will be at game two. 
Um, game five, game seven, maybe, dot, dot, dot. Uh, but there's tons of combat sports to talk also. So we have a WWE pay-per-view coming up that Andres is just so excited about. He loves ah. these quick pay-per-views, the quick builds. Um, we have boxing to recap and to preview. And then we also have MMA to, pre- to preview as well. Let's start with these NBA Finals, though, because any type of big you know, sports situation, we always give our opinion on who wins it. This is, this is the, the most evenly matched finals we've seen in a long time. Do you think LeBron can defend the land, or is Golden State running away with this? Uh, first things first, this is not evenly matched. You have four all stars. No, uh, you, you have four. <laughs> this isn't fair. Like, this shouldn't be. This isn't fair. I mean, you have four all stars against three all stars, essentially. Um, and the fact that Golden State added Kevin Durant from a team that lost in game seven after blowing a 3 1 lead last year, the math should say that Golden State should run away with a series. I mean,. LeBron can only do so much, and Kyrie can only do so much. I mean, you have a great team in Cleveland, but the math says that Golden State should win this in like five or six, right? Or am I bugging? I mean, this team is better than the team last year, mm-hmm. aside from a little bit of chemistry issues. See, that you can't dismiss the chemistry issues. And the Durant injuries during the season and in the earlier rounds of the playoffs. And people argue that Steph only started playing well when Durant left. And he's carried that on, you know, throughout the playoffs when Kevin Durant came back, but they played a bunch of injured teams. That's why I think it reared its head when we saw a healthy or a semi-healthy San Antonio Spurs in game one of that series. And Golden State was down by 20 until Kawhi Leonard, you know, just twists his ankle. It was a wrap for the series. And they didn't even have Tony Parker starting that game. And they no, were Tony still up 20. Anyway. Tony no, was going to get watched anyway. They're still a <laughs> it backup, wouldn't matter. But I'm saying it's still a backup point guard. It ain't Kyrie. So it's a it's a whole different world, and they haven't been tested. And I think that, and that alone, is really going to play a huge part. And Kevin Durant, say what you want, he's you know great scorer, everything else. He has the same tag LeBron had for so many years. He freezes when the team is in trouble. Game 7, he is horrible. Elimination games. His team blew a 3-1 lead last year to the very team he's on. So in OKC, he blew the 3-1 lead. So it's not like he's the consummate closer either. I think it's closer than a lot of people think. I think Golden State's bench is a lot weaker than last year. And I think this year, Cleveland's bench is a lot better. So I think it evens out. Well, yeah, I still I think, I mean, on paper, Golden State should win this series. Now, Regular season, you can't really count that too much because Cleveland lollygagged throughout the season. I mean, this was, for, for all intents and purposes, this was a pretty shitty season aside from what, watching Russell Westbrook do what he did. Everything <laughs> else was a foregone conclusion. Um, you know, watching Westbrook and James Harden and even, uh, you know, it just, it just wasn't exciting. I mean, this is one of the seasons where I really didn't watch a ton of basketball. I watched a lot of highlights. Um, I would catch games on the weekends, but for the most part, you know, I didn't care. Because we knew it was going to happen. I've watched some of the playoffs, but this has been a, a you know, complete domination by both Golden State and Cleveland. This is what we expected. We waited all season for this. Anybody who's surprised by this NBA Finals, you're stupid. Um, but this is exactly what I thought we'd have. But the question really is, who has the most to win and the most to lose in this series? And, and I'll start it because... LeBron, in my opinion, people will talk about LeBron. He has really nothing to lose. He's not supposed to win this series. 
I mean, and, he's chasing Jordan. Every every loss matters at this point. No, it doesn't because it's really the same thing. Like, if he loses the series, he just lost to a super-duper team. He didn't lose to just a super team. He lost to, like, a mega team that added, added a future Hall of Famer who's still in his prime. So if, if LeBron loses, it doesn't, it doesn't change the Jordan conversation much because he's not touching Jordan anyway. If he wins, on the other hand... That inches him a little bit closer to the Jordan conversation. So I don't think he has a lot to lose. He has a lot more to gain. In my opinion, the person who has the most to lose is Steph Curry. If Steph Curry can't win this series with Kevin Durant, it's going to go a long way towards his future because he's still young. And he, he couldn't close out last year. The year before, they fortunately won, but they beat a completely debilitated Cleveland team that only had LeBron. They coughed up a 3-1 lead last year, and now he's got some added help. So if they lose this year, I think it weighs more on him than it does on Kevin Durant. Yeah. Uh, I think Curry, as a point guard, you're not necessarily judged by championships because so many point guards haven't won championships. Who are you going up against? Isaiah? Magic? Magic was a freak of nature. And he's in a whole different ballpark. At this point, Curry... He's not being judged harshly. I, I think Durant does have most of the pressure. When you leave and you decide to join the team for this moment, you better come through. Well, he has the pressure. I just don't think he has the most to lose. And when I, what I mean by that is if he loses this year, people will be like, you're an idiot for going to go, go State and still losing. But then he'll just say, well, there's next year. Or there's chemistry issues. Curry, on the other hand, because he choked <laughs> last season down the stretch and he's been having these issues with his team, I think he has more, more to lose because... You know, they can't. They lobbied to get Kevin Durant in Golden State, which I never thought they truly needed him in the first place. And we saw that as evidence as soon as Kevin Durant went down. We saw what happened. The chemistry, the ball moved a lot better. I mean, they just kind of looked like the old team from last year. But if you lose again with this type of a player, and, and I, I know what you're saying about point guards, but Steph Curry is not your prototypical point guard either that can shoot a jumper from half court. There aren't too many guys like Steph Curry to do that. He's supposed to be their closer. Kevin Durant is the new kid on the block who's supposed to be able to help and enhance that team. But if you lose again, it's like, well, you know, this hurts you. Kevin Durant, if he loses this year, it's almost like when, when, well, I won't even say that, because when, Le- when LeBron went to Miami and they lost to Dallas, that was all LeBron's fault. Yeah, that <laughs> like, hurt. Like, yeah, he, he disappeared. <laughs> yeah, but, when, but that's my point. If, Ke- if, if Kevin Durant puts up numbers, which I think he's going to do, I don't think there's any doubt that Kevin Durant's going to put up numbers. The question is, is Curry going to put up numbers? Is he going to get enough touches? Because we know that Klay Thompson is not going to get enough touches because he needs to touch the ball, but he, he just won't. Oh, it's, see, it's that's the to, problem. That's, that's where they'll lose. Yeah, it's hard to facilitate because they're they're, <sighs> you, you have to believe that Cleveland knows that if Klay Thompson gets a lot of touches, that it's going to be doomed for them because he needs those touches. This guy lights it up. He's like, and he's hiding behind the curtain right now. All season, Klay Thompson has basically been a vanishing act for Golden State that a lot of people have just forgotten about. They talk about Curry. They talk about Draymond Green. They talk about Kevin Durant. But this is a guy who scored, what, 27 points a quarter, 50 points in a few games. It's like, come on, man. You can't forget about him. He needs his touches. Yeah, no, nah, that was crazy. Um, he's just not going to get it. The, the matchup really all boils down to how well can Klay Thompson play? And can Klay Thompson outperform J.R. Smith? How, how crazy is that? He should. He but just has to get the ball. He might not, right? Like You look at Game 7 last year, J.R. Smith outperformed him. Yeah. You, you look at it, it's Klay Thompson disappearing at times. That hurts that team. 
And then other games he'll put up 35 and they'll lose to Cleveland. It, it made no sense. They go as he goes. But this year, it's three All-Stars versus three All-Stars. Four. Can, no. Can Kevin Love... Who are you counting out on Gold State is not an All-Star? Clay. I'm taking Clay out of the mix because he's not getting All-Star touches. It's three versus three. He's still and an can All-Star. Clay outperform J.R. Smith? I mean, he's still an All-Star. Come on. Okay, J.R. Smith but they is don't, not an They don't give him... No, but that, I'm Somebody's, saying... It's not like four versus three because all four of them don't get the ball. So it's I mean, three versus three. Nah, no. They, they've, because, they've made him J.R. Smith. That's what they've made. He's an all-star. But honestly, J.R. probably gets more shots. He probably gets more touches. Yeah, but who do you trust with those touches more, Clay Thompson or J.R. Smith? Uh, that's a good question. In the finals? I, I mean, I trust Clay question. Thompson. I think This that, is why I'm, I say this I've is why seen I say, score four points before. This is why I say that the, the, the bulk of this lands on Steph Curry's shoulder because he's going to be the floor general. He's going to be responsible for distributing the rock and knowing where it needs to go at the right times. If Klay Thompson is not getting his touches, it's not going to be because of Kevin Durant. It's going to be because of the, the floor general, Steph Curry. He's got a lot of pressure on him. He's still young. He's still got a lot to, to prove. But the, the thing was, last year was all about Steph Curry. And LeBron came back and said, look, you can give the MVP trophy to whoever you want to during the regular season, but this league is mine. And he showed that in, in the NBA Finals coming back from 3-1. People forgot, kind of forgot how good Steph Curry was last year. Or people just was like, well, he just had a great year and he's going to fade to black. So if he doesn't show up this season, I mean, I don't even know what that does for your psyche at this point. <laughs> yeah, it, that team, the chemistry issues are going to rear its head. Now... Is it going to happen game one? Uh, by the time people listen to this, they'll know the result of game one. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a blowout. You know, Golden State winning in a blowout. There was a crazy stat earlier where LeBron has lost five straight game ones in the NBA Finals. He's won three of those series. It's just, you know, he's been playing on the road a lot. All this stuff, it just adds up to him losing game ones. And I don't think that Cleveland's going to go into that building both teams fresh, both teams ready, crowd pumping, and steal game one. I just don't think it can happen. But now game two, game three, game four, I don't think the chemistry matches. Draymond's going to go Draymond and do something stupid. Damn near kick somebody probably. KD's going to you know, sink into a hole. Draymond's going to have to yell at him like the crazy meme. And Curry you know, is going to put up his points. But even in... What four out of? I'm not convinced. Corey Curry outscores Kyrie Irving in four out of seven games. Oh, I mean. So if look, you're not outperforming Kyrie Irving, it's a wash, my man. You do whatever you want, MVPs or not. Look, I like I had a separate. I have a separate chat where I talk, like, you know, hip hop and like basketball. And I had this argument last year that somebody said Steph, uh, Kyrie Irving is not a top three point guard in the NBA, and I was like, that's fucking ridiculous. The guy can like literally score at will. And you forget. What is he? Twenty four. Yep. You forget how young Kyrie Irving is. He played a half a year at Duke and went to the draft. Yeah, he played like eight games. <laughs> yeah, he played half a year at Duke and came and was NBA ready. And all he's done is get better. And it's frightening because the problem is, is he might have Stefan skates the entire series. Because what he can do with the pressure off of him when LeBron has the ball and LeBron, you know, I mean, we know what LeBron can do. But Kyrie's a problem, and, and, and it's an issue when you know he's going to get the ball. Kevin Love is going to get the residual points is what, what, what they are is because of the kickouts, 
He's going to get, you know, a few points off the glass. But Kyrie is going to create his own shot, and he's going to try to wear Steph's ass out. And seven games is a long time if they could take it that deep. And I don't yeah. think Steph can stop. I don't think you find someone that will tell you Steph defensively can stop him. And what happens this year when there's, when there's no Leandro Barbosa? People forget about these things. And the same thing for Cleveland in, in some regard where Della Vadova did a great job on Steph. But those backup point guards, when the rotations get flipped a little bit, are going to have to guard these guys. And there's no one on Golden State that can stop Kyrie. So when we saw in the last series, Kyrie's dropping 17 plus in a quarter, usually the third quarter. You can't sit Steph in the third quarter now. But even then, Steph's defense isn't good. So how are you going to stop the onslaught that is Kyrie Irving? I, I don't see that team doing it. And if he can match Steph shot for shot, LeBron and KD will go at it. Draymond is a playmaker at his best. Like He's great, great defensively. But there's games where Draymond puts up 14. So you're looking for the 20-point game from Dalla. You're looking for, you know... Um, the big goofy center kid whose name escapes me. He, he used to be an idiot, but actually playing well this year um, to put up 20. And then you, you're hoping for these things. Their bench isn't what it used to be. And Clay Thompson, it's all on his shoulders. That's a scary spot to be in. All right. So, because everybody's like, all right, get to the combat sports. So, first <laughs> things first. Uh, if LeBron wins this series, is he where do you put him on the greatest of all time list? Does, is he closer to Jordan? Is there any way that he can surpass Jordan, in your opinion? I don't think he passes Jordan, um, in which the stats are, once again, you're looking back at it, Jordan 6-for-6 six six in the finals, yeah, that just meant he lost a lot before he got there. Um, but, you know, he handled his business, and I've always been a big proponent of the eye test, right? LeBron isn't Jordan with the eye test. And he's never going to be. He's one of the best players. He's amazing. I've never seen anyone that can do everything that he does. But Jordan, the way he took over games, you felt it that the other team had no chance. You don't feel that with LeBron. You say, okay, Kyrie might hit the game with a shot. LeBron will keep it close. LeBron will get you down with, you know, you're down two towards the end. Jordan was always going to finish you. I don't think he can, he can pass that. I don't think you learn that killer instinct. So I, I don't think he passes him, but he wins this one. It's hard to not put him at number two, number three. I mean, Wilt, you're looking Wilt, Bird, Magic. He's in that category. And he's approaching, you know, Bill Russell-esque levels of appearing in finals. Which, let alone winning them, just going to eight straight NBA finals is mind-boggling. I don't know how you do it. You're two different teams. Two different franchises for each. I eight straight. I don't care what conference is in. You you can't do that in the NCAA if you tried. So he he's reaching that level. I, I say he's number two if he beats this team, this collective. If he beats them, he's number two. If they beat him in six, it's getting dicey. Yeah. See. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody touches Jordan. It's not you know like I, I've read all these stats and people talk about you know what LeBron's done in his career and what Jordan's done in his career. It's like look. It's not just the 6-0 and with six MVPs and six NBA Finals. It's everything that Jordan did outside of that that, made him, that makes him the, be the greatest player of all time. And most people that argue about LeBron never watch Jordan play. I had the luxury of watching Jordan play. And I've bought like all the DVDs. I, I've watched a ton of Michael Jordan. 
And I hated him as a kid. Like I loved him. <laughs> I loved him, and then I hated him. Like I loved him when he won when he won the first championship. I was a kid. And I wanted the Bulls to win. I wanted somebody to beat Magic in them. Like I, I wanted him to do it. But then after the second one, I was like, I don't like you anymore. I'm rooting for other teams because you know I, I loved Penny and Shaq. I loved uh, Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning. Like I just wanted somebody to beat Jordan, and it was so frustrating because. That's the point that you just made is exactly why I said LeBron can't pass Mike. It's because there were games where it'd be like five point, five point lead, and Jordan would touch the ball, and you just go fuck. It's over because <laughs> there's nothing you couldn't stop him in the clutch. People talk about field goal percentage, but Jordan scored when it when it was necessary. People talk about choke games. Jordan had very few games where he just blew it. Now you go like go back in time to when he coughed up the ball against the Portland Trailblazers. I believe it was game one of that series. Uh, when Clyde Drexler stole the ball and, and finished him off. That was like, like one time. Like other, Aside from that, Jordan was the most dominant player on the court at all times. Yeah. He was never second fiddle to anybody. LeBron was second fiddle to Dwayne Wade on the, on the Miami Heat team when they won the championship. And when they didn't win the championship, it was his fault. Mike's never been at fault for losing. So yeah, it, it's, You're right. It's rough. That's crazy. It, it, it's rough. And so with that being said... It's just Michael Jordan's just got such a, a great lead, but you know people always forget about Kareem when we talk about the greatest players of all time. The most unstoppable shot in the history of the NBA comes from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, but LeBron, if he beats this Golden State team, I think you have a legitimate argument that he's the second best player of all time because he still has more chapters to write because his career is not over. And what's wrong with so, being number two? I, no, I, I no, always wonder this. Like people say it, like it's the worst slight in the world. And you know, I depending on who I'm talking to, I have to argue one side or the other. And I hate when I get into conversations like that. Because if it's like a diehard Jordan fan, I'll be like, no, this is the case for LeBron. And then vice versa. And people are like, oh, you think he's better? Like, no, I can argue the case without thinking LeBron is going to jump in for number one. But what's wrong with just being number two? Like, why do we have to even argue this? Why is it always a constant debate? Just say he can be number two and just let it sit at that. You know what, Kobe? I mean, shit, Kobe would give his left leg to be number two. Yeah, it's so funny how Kobe's been completely disrespected of all these conversations. But it's really all because of what LeBron did last year. That firmly entrenched him in the spot that says, okay, you're better than Kobe. Like, Kobe, you had Shaq. And Shaq is is top, easily top 10 of all time. It's top five in some people's circles. When you have that, it's pretty, the most dominant center in the history of the NBA and you're winning championships, it's kind of hard to say that you're the greatest player of all time. Like, imagine if Michael Jordan had Shaq. <laughs> Like, come you on, put man. Shaq on any like ninety nine through two thousand one. Shaq was just next level, um, but yeah, it's just Kobe. Kobe's gonna be fringe top ten. I know Mamba fans are gonna hate that I say that, but it is what it is. He's what Kobe's the second best shooting guard of all time, which isn't a slight, which is great. I put him over D Wade. Um, yeah, he's, he's over D Wade. Yeah, so I mean, Kobe. Kobe's amazing. He's not touching Jordan. No one's touching Jordan. Um, Growing up, I always had the Jordan versus Magic debate. To me, that was the closest comparison. Only because the only way you beat or get close to beating Jordan is by doing a million different things. Because Jordan's the best scorer of all time. But if you do a bunch of different shit, you have a pretty good argument for number one. And that's why LeBron has an argument. Because if it was outside of that, you wouldn't have an argument. You can't just be like a Westbrook. Like, you can't just be a volume scorer. And then be like, yo, he's better than Jordan. No, you have to do a million things to even get close to Jordan, and you still don't add up. Jordan's defense was insane. That's that's my one kicker that people always forget. Like, this dude was an all-NBA defensive first-team player multiple times. 
He would, they always put Jordan on your best player, and he shut them down. And we're talking about a league where it was more difficult to score, where people were hand-checking. There was just a lot of different things that made it more difficult to score. And Jordan was putting up the points he put up and shutting your best player down. And that's, that's when shooting guards were, were legit. Like, now I'd say small forwards dominate as far as wing players. And, you know, those stretch fours are the two dominant positions. Back then it was centers and shooting guards. And Jordan guarded, you know, I mean, just the night in, night out. Penny Hardaway was a big point guard. But Jordan had to, you know, guard the Penny Hardaways, the, um, man, the Reggie Millers, the Clyde Drexlers. Like, shooting guard was deep around the league. And Jordan had to guard them while putting up like 35 a night. Insane. All right. So last thing, what is your prediction? Uh, It's going to be tough. I'm going with game seven. Cleveland wins. I'm going to say Golden State in six. Um, That's good. It'll save me an extra trip to the Bay Area. <laughs> saying Golden State in six, uh, but it's, like this is one of those series that, um, like, looking at this Golden State team, there's no reason they should even go six games. But it's it may go six. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Golden State swept them. Yo, no, <laughs> they were just down twenty in game one. Of the I, San I know, Antonio series. I know, but I'm just saying this type of team, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think it's going to happen. But if Golden State ran out there and ran the table on them at home in the first two games, it's it's going to be tough. So you mean to, an to undefeated be... postseason? It's That'd be historic. But, but so. that's what I'm like, Okay, so the only I thing mean, is... Yeah, when, it's more likely than Cleveland sweeping them. Of course. Like, when Durant came to Golden State, everybody was like, oh, fuck this. Like, everybody said the same thing because it was ridiculous. Then the season played out and was like, oh, okay. Like, anything less than a 73-9 and season was a failure to a lot of people. And they couldn't go 73-9. and They didn't have the chemistry. But this team, you look at them, and you look at historically some of the greatest teams of all time, you never had a team like this. You never had a point guard that could put up. Like, you have three players on the court that can put up 50 points on any given night. Yes. That's frightening. And another guy who's a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, who, who can get you a triple-double if he feels like it. But that's, that's also my problem with Golden State, is that your only playmaker on offense, not scorer, your only playmaker, the person who makes other people better, is your power forward. Well, and that's, that's rough because when you play down low, and he's their primary interior defender. I don't care about JaVel McGee. There goes his name. Uh, or Zaza and all this. When you need to stop someone scoring on the interior, you put Draymond on them. They like putting Draymond on LeBron sometimes. When your number one playmaker is in position to get in foul trouble, you're in trouble. And that's why they collapsed last year when he was gone. And they never picked up that that momentum. It's because no one else on that team, Steph included, makes other people better. Draymond does that. And when you do that from the power forward position... And LeBron can just charge you like a rhino, and you're picking up foul after foul after foul. You're in trouble, and that's the only way they get in trouble. Indeed. All right, enough of the basketball talk. We know what y'all came here to listen to. A lot of y'all are pissed. Like I just spent <laughs> almost twenty listen- minutes listening to these. Listen to this greatness. Follow my yeah. IG. I'll be out there. Um, yeah. Let's talk about combat sports. Then we got. Let's start with boxing. We're gonna go straight through because I got to do laundry. I got to pack. I- I'm very ill prepared for this trip. Um, Errol Spence versus Kell Brook. It went how I thought it was going to go. And people were still shocked, though. Like, there were people honestly thinking Kell Brook was going to win. 
Andreas, how many times you have to tell people? Spence is the truth. Spence is the truth. I mean, this is... Look, I thought from the... When the fight was announced, I thought it was a bad fight for Kell Brook. Style-wise. And, and I think uh, Errol Spence is a bad fight for everybody. Style-wise. The only thing, advantage I thought Kell Brook would have was fighting overseas and be able to get away with the clinching like he did with Sean Porter. That really didn't even come into play. This was, this was Errol Spence just looking really good. Um, my, my only qualm is that a lot of people are like, Errol Spence showed he could take a punch. Mm, yeah, but let's not act like Kell Brook is some dominating knockout artist who's knocked out some top college. Like, he didn't get hit by Keith Thurman. Let's just put it that way. I still, I still like to see Errol Spence fight a key. Like, I mean, dude, he's, I think he's going to be the best welterweight in the division. And I think he'll easily ascend as one of the top five pound-for-pound pound fighters in the sport. But Kell Brook was, the, my fright, the thing that I was most worried about, Kell Brook was damaged goods in this fight. As good as he is, that Golovkin fight took a lot out of him. And that face, it took and that face wore out. It took yeah. his eye. So it took a lot out of him. But all that being said, it was a, it was a fantastic performance by um, Errol Spence. He faced some adversity with Kell Brook because Kell Brook is still a good fighter. He's still a very good fighter. Who, if his face doesn't fall apart, if they do the American fight next as a swan song, they can make a lot of money. And Kell Brook, I think, can beat American. But this was Errol Spence's night. The kid, the kid is magic. I, I don't. I, I've said it since day one. I mean, we've heard about the stories in the gyms. I've heard from boxers. This kid is, he's frightening, man. He's frightening without being a scary guy. He's a friendly, I'll smile in your face and fuck you up type of guy. <laughs> Love it. Those are always the scariest ones. Um, I was on a podcast yesterday as a guest, and they brought up a great question. And before I you know, continue about what we think is next for Spence and everything, they said in five years, which five is a long time, but still, in five years, that Errol Spence... And Terrence Crawford would be the best two welterweights on earth. And they will fight in the four to five year range. And they had no clue who was going to win. And they asked me. And I was like, I can't pick it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to ask Andres what he thinks. So if you had to project even three years down the line, Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence, who you take? Ooh, that's a tough one. Yo, I was um, stumped. I was like... Because I couldn't pick who was better at what. Because I don't know if Terrence Crawford can take a punch. Well, let's see. Terrence, like, as of right now, Terrence Crawford has fought a Victor Postal, who was a frightening matchup for anybody. Um, lengthwise, style-wise, he's just, he's just a tough guy to beat. And he beat him. And he made it look easy down the stretch, too. Um, Crawford's a better switch hitter. My concern is, I mean, we talk about this at welterweight, is Errol Spence bigger than Terrence Crawford. And he, he's, he's just a bigger fighter. Um, but there's still like, without, with this, the jury is still kind of out on both fighters, more so Errol Spence than Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford's kind of, he's done what he had to do at 140. We still have to see what he does at 147, but we've seen enough of Terrence Crawford to know that he's special. And the same thing with, with Errol Spence. It's just I, three to five, three years from now, man, I can't pick that. I like, and yeah, I think neither of them, I think neither of them lose in the next three years. I, see, that's what I don't know because we'll have to assume that Keith Thurman loses to Errol Spence. Correct, and which would be my assumption. Spence will have to probably fight um, Porter in that time, which is not an easy fight, and maybe a Danny Garcia. The murderer's row he'll have to go through to be undefeated in three years is insane. 
Well, he washes Danny Garcia. Like, without That's still question. a tough-ass fight. Not really. Not for Errol Spence. He makes that, I think he. I think he makes that fight very easy. Oh man, your disrespect for Danny Garcia is. Legendary. Dude, I I don't think he's that good. I think he's better. Like I always thought, Danny Garcia was better than guys who he he could time. Danny Garcia he times people, and if he can time you, he's gonna knock you out or he's gonna hurt you. But you look at the fights with Lamont Peterson. You look at like you look at these fights with the exception of the Lucas Batiste fight. You know, Mauricio Herrera, who he had a hard time with, if he can't time you with that left hand, you can beat him on activity alone because he doesn't throw a ton of punches. He tries to counter you with the left. That Errol Spence can deal with that because Errol Spence is better timing. He's faster. He's got better footwork. He beats Danny Garcia easy. Keith Thurman is the one I'm, I'm a little interested in because I, I'm not sure where Keith Thurman is going because he's not, he's not one time anymore. It's like two or three times before he gets you down. He ain't even and, getting people down at this point. No, because you're fighting top-tier competition, guys with chins. So it, it'll be interesting, man. It'll be interesting. Like, a guy like Sean Porter is is just a tough fight. I think Sean Porter fight. would be a tougher fight for Spence than Keith Thurman. It'll be more, It'll physically be a far tougher fight. Yeah, and I can't believe I'm saying that, but I just saw Keith Thurman in that last fight, and, man, he took his foot off of the gas, and this is three fights in a row. Like, you just can't coast the last six rounds of a fight. And he tried and, you know, didn't come back to bite him completely. But this is, he's taking three to four rounds off at a time in the middle of these fights. I don't know if he's tired. I don't know if he just, last time his corner said, oh, you got this in the bag. And he took his foot off the gas and it looked ugly. It, it, you can't do that against Errol Spence. You cannot, cannot connect. Because he's just going to outwork you. And those body punches and that jab. He threw three times as many jabs as Kel Brook. And it was the accumulation of punishment that broke broke at the end. His body couldn't take it. His heart was there. His body couldn't take it. So my, my biggest concern with Errol Spence, of all things, is he's he hasn't proven to be very elusive just yet. He's not very hard to find. Um, and th- I'm not saying his defense is bad by any, by any means. But he is he, he's able to be hit. It's, it's, it makes you appreciate Floyd Mayweather much more <laughs> because you understand, like, Floyd Mayweather just didn't get hit. Right. It was like he just you couldn't hit him. Errol Spence is still he's kind of there to be hit, but he's not there in a way like he 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 puts his body in positions where he's not you're not going to really hit him clean. And that's something that Terrence Crawford does very well, too. He switches stances to force you and to be able to have to lunge at him to try to connect. But he, he's there to be hit. So it'd be interesting to see what happens when a physical fighter like Sean Porter or somebody who can't crack like Keith Thurman get their hands on. Him. Who's um, next? Who's next for him? then? For Errol Spence, I don't um, think he gets the Thurman fight right away. Well, no, Thurman's recovering. Um, he'll get some. He'll get somebody kind of whack. <laughs> That's <laughs> what probably... I was thinking. Like, because I'm not sure who the next mandatory is. Because he was obviously the mandatory. So winning the belt, I'm not sure who they promote to mandatory. I'm not sure if they have to have a like you know a match to see who isn't the new mandatory for the title. Because um, I believe Sean Porter's mandatory for Thurman's title. Yeah, I mean, he's in line for that title. Yeah, I mean... Which is odd, because Porter just lost this title. Like, this was his belt. Why wouldn't he be mandatory for the one Spence had? I can't figure it out. But whoever's a mandatory, I think he fights them. Um, I don't... I mean, I could see an Amir Khan trying to chase for a money... You know, just for a, a prominent fight at this point. See what he can get. Um, Broner's obviously taken up. But I thought, you know, Broner would be fed to somebody. Uh, I'm surprised that it's Mikey. And we'll talk about that in a second. But 
I, I just don't know who exactly, but he's not getting Keith Thurman fight next. It, it's just not happening. No, nah, it'll probably be like a, a Dan, it might be Danny Garcia. I wouldn't mind Danny be, Garcia, but he's coming off a loss. I don't know how you justify it. Well, he justifies as a former champion. And, you know, he's he's coming back for what's his. It, it could be a Danny Garcia. It could be a Lamont Peterson. Um, those are two names that kind of float around. It won't be Amir Khan. I think if Amir Khan's smart, he goes after a Kell Brook fight in the UK and cleans up um, and tries to take fan advantage of that damaged face. But you look at the rest of the top ten, and you got a bunch of top-ranked guys who, well, not even a bunch. You have Tim Bradley, Manny Pacquiao, and Jesse Vargas, who none of those guys are going to bring over to fight Errol Spence. So. No, Manny Pacquiao's, damn it. He ain't getting fed to Crawford. He ain't getting fed to Spence. No, man. He's on the going away tour. So, It'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be a title defense. Um, I don't know who they'll make as mandatory. I haven't even really paid that much attention. So Yeah, so hopefully um, next year, this time, we're talking Thurman versus uh, Errol Spence. Yeah, I hope so. Hopefully. Um, moving forward, we have Adonis Stevenson fighting this weekend. Does anyone know? Does anyone care? That's the question. Um, Most people don't care, but I know because Fonfara is actually a pretty good fighter. And, I mean, they already fought before, and Fonfara wasn't unknown when he fought Adonis Stevenson the first time, and people were surprised because he took Adonis to hell and back. So the rematch is very intriguing because Adonis has called out the winner of the following, well, two weeks from now, Andre Ward and Kovalev. Mm, he's um, been talking that talk for a while. I feel exactly. like he's, do he's dodged Kovalev forever. Well, I feel like it's time to either shit or get off the pot when it comes to this. Like, If you're going to fight from far and you beat from far, there's, really, there's nobody else for you to fight in light heavyweight division except for the winner of that fight. So he's going to have to look good in this fight, which is not a given because, like I said, Fanfara knocked out Chavez Jr., um, and he's a pretty hard hitter. And he, he, Like I said, he showed Stevenson he was going to have a tough time. So most people don't care, but I, I, I'm going to watch the fight. I'm interested in it. I think it's going to be a good fight. Uh, I think so, too. I mean, Adonis is always a good show because there's no defense with him. <laughs> it's just all offense. It's going there and have a firefight. Um, I've wanted to see him test his skills against the likes of Kovalev. Andre Ward, I think Andre Ward makes that fight ugly if they fight. I think he can't even hit Andre Ward. So I don't really want to see that fight going forward. But, you know, him him setting up a Kovalev fight, I'm, I'm hoping he wins. For the interest of boxing, I hope he wins. Will he? I'm not sure. Father Time's undefeated. He's a... He's a a ripe 39 years old. Yeah. And soon, on the block. Yeah, and sooner or later it comes for you. That's not the division to get old in. It's not like, you know, you're at 147, 140, and you can try slipping punches and, and they're smaller guys. You don't want to get old at that weight class because they're hitting you with some fire. So it, it could be, you know, a, a good fight for him or he could get the lights turned out and never recover. That's true. So it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. Moving off of boxing? Oh, no. Of course not. What? Talking about boxing, boxing's biggest fight, Mayweather versus Pacquiao. Or excuse me, Mayweather versus McGregor. Oh, God. We always got to talk about Mayweather and McGregor. It's boxing's biggest fight. Dana White says 75% that it gets done. And that he's all buddy-buddy with Al Heyman and the crew. And that he obviously hates um, Bob Arrow. And De La Hoya's kind of inching towards his shit list at this point, too. 75%... Andreas, are you starting to believe? I just got to take your temperature on this every week. No. You want to know why? <laughs> you want to know why, though? It's because of what he said, what was it, today, yesterday? 
when he said we're gonna go in there and try to negotiate a 50 50 split the fuck out of here now, you, you just, basically this says everything i said last week you can make all the deals you want with conor mcgregor but you're not getting a 50 50 split with floyd mayweather it's not happening it's just, it's not no but it's negotiations you go high you always start high yeah but i mean what kind of negotiation you coming in and you're going to talk about is pretty fair because ultimately how much are you going to fight for a 50 50 split you shouldn't even come in. You shouldn't even say that publicly. <laughs> you should keep that to yourself. Yeah, because when you end up with a 70-30 or 60-35, you're going to look like an idiot. I, I don't, dude, nothing has changed. I still feel the same way. I do not care at this point because the only thing that happens is when you tell me that they met in a hotel room, then I'm interested. Nothing has happened yet. It is uh, June 1st, and we've had no movement, no real movement whatsoever. All we've had is a bunch of talk. We've had Floyd saying, I'll sign the contract. We had kind of saying, we'll sign the fucking contract. Dude, it's, <laughs> nothing's been signed. We're in the same place we were several months ago. Well, we don't a, even have a contract yet. Exa- we have nothing. <laughs> we, we've had basically Dana White saying that, you know, the UFC will step aside. And this is a boxing event. You know, we just got to make sure the deal is right. I signed a deal with my fighter. Like, those are the only things we heard. Floyd has just said, sign the contract. There's no contract. What are we signing here? There's nothing. I, I, dude, there's nothing, man. I'm tired of talking about this shit. And, and the thing is... If it's it only going to get worse. <laughs> here's the funny thing. If it took six years to get Mayweather and Pacquiao together in a fight, to expedite the process for an MMA guy, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I really don't think this fight happens this year. If it does happen, it'll have, I, don't, I don't see it necessarily happen this year. Unless they, Dana White comes in there and was like, fuck it, give him what he wants, and let's make the fight happen. I mean, if there's any haggling, this fight's not happening. Yeah, now Dana has to he has to back down quickly. Right? He can't go in there and really put his foot down. He doesn't have a leg to stand on. You go in there, you know, with some idea of what you want, and you can go in high, but as soon as they counter offer, take what they offer. You know, but the crazy thing is that Floyd can sit here and tease this thing out as long as he wants and never take the fight. It doesn't hurt him one bit. Conor McGregor hasn't fought since last year. He's got to fight sooner or later. If it's not McGregor, he's, I mean, it's not Mayweather. Conor's got to fight. You're taking, like, these are prime Conor McGregor years, and Floyd Mayweather's essentially pulled him out of MMA. He's pulled the biggest star. Like, if you think about it in, in, this, in these terms, this is sheer genius. If Floyd Mayweather wants to make boxing the most dominant sport and is having an excellent 2017 as is, you take the sport's biggest star and you lock him up in a fight that's never going to happen. <laughs> and just effectively choke out the UFC. Yeah, you you basically taking away the biggest star while boxing's on the rise. And we who knows when Conor McGregor fights again? Because they Floyd could drag this thing out until next February, and Conor still won't have a fight. Like when is Conor gonna say fuck this and, and have to fight somebody? He's still the lightweight champion. His year is gonna be up soon, and they're gonna have to do an interim another interim title fight. Well, they already tried to do an interim title fight, so yeah. that went. And so, Tony yeah. Ferguson's just chilling because they can't find him somebody worthy of a, of a fight. Now, I don't think Floyd Mayweather is that smart. I don't think he's doing this to destroy the UFC. But damn, if you think about it in those terms, like the UFC. He's crushing suffered. their leverage, though. Yeah, he really is. He, he has them, you know, he, he has them by the balls. Just because it's like, yo, either you're going to agree and take whatever money I give you, or you're a star fighter, your biggest money earner. 
said he's not going to do anything until he fights me anyway. So you're losing money on both ends. It's like you, you might as well just acquiesce to my terms. Let him fight as soon as possible so then he can come back and make you the money that you're missing out on. Because no one earns half of what he just bought you last year. And it, it's really crazy. In those terms, Conor McGregor has effectively been pulled out and Floyd Mayweather is screwing the UFC. And not only that. Every day out of money. Every day. If the fight does happen and you have three months of training camp, promo, tour, at minimum three months. And then you have the fight. Conor McGregor still doesn't fight until mid to late 2018 in MMA. Oh, I mean, Conor's turnaround is quick. Um, yeah, but his turnaround won't be as fast if he gets doused in fire and set on fire by Floyd Mayweather. I think if they fight in October, Conor's ready for that January, from that New Year's card. Mm, I'm, I don't think so. I think you get, because, I mean, granted, a lot of people, first of all, I'm going to say this. If they do fight, Floyd Mayweather's going to try hard as shit to knock him out. If he finds this fight to be relatively easy, he's going to knock him out. People don't think that's <laughs> going to happen. To just make the point. <laughs> but I need, I need to make this point because I haven't said it in weeks. But I need to make this point. If Nate Diaz put hands on Conor McGregor and essentially was going to knock him out if the fight was standing up any longer, a fully functional boxer like Floyd Mayweather, who people will, like, will say doesn't hit that hard. But ask anybody who's fought Floyd Mayweather, you feel those punches. They hurt. Like He makes you feel those punches. He just doesn't necessarily have to pour it on. But if you don't have to worry about anything coming back, he could make an example out of Conor McGregor and knock him out. If I mean, that Conor, happens, Conor was made a fool by his conditioning more so than Nate Diaz that fight. But I'm saying, like, this is, if this fight were to happen, it's 10 three-minute rounds or 12 three-minute rounds. It's 36 minutes or 30 minutes, which it's, is more than – much no more belt. than the 10, But it's much more than the 10 minutes that he fought against Nate Diaz before getting choked out. Is my point. Like, conditioning, yeah, I get it. It's a lot more things to worry about. There's a lot of things there, but the conditioning did do him in. But let's, come on. Let's not act like Conor McGregor has this great jaw. We're assuming that Conor McGregor has a steel jaw and can take a punch. He has not proven that. No, he just doesn't get hit as much because he's too busy hitting the other guy. But he's, Um, he's been fortunate in that sense. But you're fighting a real boxer where they don't have to worry about your legs. They just worry about your hands. Yeah. How do you keep range without that kick? You don't. Because that push kick is, is amazing for him. Or that so, side kick, it, it, it's the longest jab in the UFC. That's all it is. His side kick is the longest jab in the UFC. So, and it keeps people at range and he just levels them when they come inside the guard. He doesn't have that anymore. So that being said, if Conor McGregor were to fight Floyd Mayweather, let's assume October, even though I don't believe that'll happen. If it happens in October and, and Conor loses, Conor's a good sport. One thing about him, he'll lose the fight. He'll be like, okay, fuck it. I'm, my re- thing is he has to go back into training for MMA, and he has to negotiate his next fight. He's not coming into that next fight with whatever it is. And I don't even think they really, like him and Dana, have really discussed his return to the UFC. See, I think that's what they had to hash out. If they didn't hash that out, then I don't know what the hell they were talking about. See, I don't, like, I don't know because like, everybody's thinking this fight, a Mayweather-McGregor fight does between $2.5 million and $4 million pay-per-view buys. Yeah. That's a big number. It's like a big space. If this fight does four million buys, right, or four and a half million, it closes in on Mayweather Pacquiao. Whatever Connor did with Dana, he's gonna go back on it. He's gonna look <laughs> at those numbers. He's gonna be like, "No, fuck that. I need more money." Connor's a businessman. Like he's he fights for the money, so he's not gonna come back for less. And I think whatever it was, I mean, I'm sure that Connor was like, "Okay." I think they negotiated 
what he'll possibly make through this particular fight. But I don't really think they, they hashed out the terms of his UFC contract moving forward. Oh, I don't, they, they're going to have to give him ownership. Like, on so, the realistic shit. So, there's going to be... Uh, bottom line is, I don't, we're not seeing Conor McGregor in the octagon until 2018. Yeah, that's... Oof. And the UFC is going to hurt. Because once that fiscal year is over, and they get that printout of, you know, 2016 with three McGregor fights, damn near four, because he promoted four. People were stuck at UFC 200 because they thought Conor was going, and he was going to fight in that, you know? So people have bought the tickets. You just can't renege on stuff like that. So he promoted four fights, and the four biggest fights of the year were promoted by him at some point in time. And then to go from that to no fights, what's their biggest fight this year? Jones in uh, D.C. That's going to be their biggest fight. Jones D.C. is going to be their biggest fight. That's going to do 600. Six to eight. <laughs> like, that's it. That yeah. is it. And that's... Probably a third of what McGregor would do after a Floyd fight. If him and Floyd do 4.5 in boxing, he's going to carry some of those casual fans back over. He's going to do 2 mil every time he steps on the UFC octagon. Mm, possible. Him, two him, DS, him DS3 is going to do 2 mil. Well, him and DS3 is a big fight. Outside of that, you know, if Conor loses badly to Floyd, or, or even yeah. worse, if Floyd makes this fight suck, which is one thing that Floyd is very good at doing, if this fight sucks and people feel like they were ruined, but, you know, they were like, I waited all this time and this fight sucks, which the casual fan, they have no clue what they're getting into. They just want to see a spectacle. <laughs> but if this fight sucks, I don't know if people just go watch Conor McGregor fight in the UFC. Spoiler I don't know alert, it's probably going to suck. Well, that's my point. <laughs> so if he fights like a Tony Ferguson or like... People aren't going to really tune in for that. I no. mean, they're going to tune in because it's kind of McGregor. Don't get me wrong. But it's not going to do $2 million. No, it's going to have to be a Diaz or it's going to have to be a GSP. Yeah. That first one got to be a splash. It has to be because he's got to redeem himself too. Like imagine if he loses that fight. Oh, Holy yeah. Back We're in a new losses. world now. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, We're that hurts. Because people would count that Floyd fight against his record, really. Of course. People don't know any better. You lose. That you shit's lose. an exhibition. <laughs> that's, that's all it is. He doesn't even have a professional boxing record. But he will after that fight. He'll be 0-1. <laughs> this shit's crazy. I love it. I love that you're actually entertaining. This is going to be a fun summer. When you're actually entertaining scenarios. Um, talking about the UFC. UFC 212. Coming up this weekend. Good card. In Brazil. Um, man, I, I, I don't know who wins the main event. I've been going back and forth. I've watched what, three hours today when I was at the new de- news desk of film. On this fight, Holloway versus Aldo. I, man, it's such a tough prediction for me. And we wrote the article at Champions yesterday. Has you know Aldo's legacy been tarnished? As um, as they've said, and it's like yo, it's it was thirteen seconds. No one else has been able to stand with this guy. And Conor McGregor might just be the one fighter who's better. But he's already proven he's better than Holloway. He's proven he's better than damn near everyone he stepped in the octagon. So you can't hold that against him. It's like, man, how do I pick against this guy? When I picked him to beat Conor the first time. Um, I, I, I got to ride out with Aldo, but it'd be great for Holloway to, to really seal in a win in this division and just get some new blood. Yeah. Um, I've been pretty firm on this. I'm picking Jose Aldo. And, and the reason 
is is it's not really difficult because you look at the level of competition. They they fought some similar fighters, but Aldo has Frankie Edgar on his resume twice and beat him pretty handily twice. Definitely the second time. Yeah. So there's really Max Holloway hasn't fought anybody like that. Like he fought Pettis, but Pettis was a completely drained and and drawn in uh, featherweight. He was he was he was wasted. Like there was nothing that Pettis could do that fight. I mean, then you look at the stuff and they talk about that he almost had to carry Pettis to the scale. So he was done before the fight even started. Not to take away from Holloway's performance because he looked excellent because he didn't know what he was getting into, but. I don't think people talk about the, the reach and height advantage, and there's really no reach advantage, but there is a, a four-inch height advantage. I don't think that makes a difference. What's going to matter is speed and accuracy. And Jose Aldo is one of the most accurate strikers in MMA. And God knows what happens when he starts letting go of those leg kicks. If he goes back to that, Which we haven't trouble. seen in forever. We haven't At seen that point. in a while. And I thought he would get a chance to use it against Conor McGregor, but he didn't. He got knocked out before he could even think about using that shit. But Jose Aldo has fought stiffer competition. People say he's a little bit older, but I think he's like, what, 30? So that's not even fair. So Aldo, <laughs> He's just been around forever, right? Yeah, he's just been around for a while and was unbeaten forever, right? And he had that 10-year so He's 30, about to be 31. He's like, young. <laughs> he's young. Furthermore, he hasn't taken a lot of damage, right? Like, not only has he been winning his fights, he doesn't take a lot of damage. Like, for most people who want to see a very interesting breakdown of this fight... Um, Dan Hardy's breakdown on uh, the UFC YouTube channel is the perfect breakdown because he explains a lot of things about Jose Aldo that I, I completely agree with. Very few have Jose Aldo's reaction time. Like the jumping left hook he threw against Frankie Edgar is something, some shit you can't teach. Oh, him. I watched that today and he broke that down. I was like, yo, he really jumped in the air like he jumped in the, and landed and perfectly. He intuitively threw a left hook. It wasn't something that you trained for. You did. He just did it. These are things that as much as I love Max Holloway, I don't know if he can deal with them. I won't be surprised if Max Holloway wins, but I'm picking Jose Aldo. I am surprised, though, that the sportsbooks have been going back and forth and had this fight at even money. I thought that Jose Aldo should be the favorite in this fight. People I mean, I remember it. the 13-second knockout. That's <laughs> it. And that's, that's the thing. They talk about tarnishing Aldo's legacy. I think it's going to be the bane of his existence until he fights McGregor, which I don't think Conor will ever give him the pleasure of doing that again because anything more than 13 seconds is a win for Jose Aldo. Yep. So you, you stay away from that fight. But Jose Aldo, no matter what he does, unless he gets a McGregor fight, it, it kind of has tarnished his legacy. Because to, the cat, like, to people like myself, I don't think it should. But we're not talking about people like myself. Legacies are mainstream. And to the mainstream crowd, they'll always remember... Conor McGregor knocking out Jose Aldo in 13 seconds. They won't remember him destroying Chad Mendez. They won't remember him kicking Uriah Faber's thigh into the second row. They won't remember him kneeing Cup Swanson in a matter, I think it was nine seconds in WEC. They won't remember any of him winning the title against Mike Brown. They won't remember any of these things. His most high-profile fight, essentially, he choked. No, I, just, I, he did. But I attribute it to his legacy is still intact because... With Conor McGregor, and I wrote it in an article, Conor McGregor is like Rogue from X-Men. It's just what Conor McGregor is. And it's everyone he beats. They don't lose their shine as much as they give it to Conor. So people say, oh, no one ever says, hey, who did Conor fight? Because his resume is not great outside of Aldo. It's just not. But it's like, who did Conor fight? And it's just like, okay, he fought Aldo, and Aldo beat all of these people. 
So then we assume Connor could beat all of these people. Hey, yeah, Connor, Connor, who has Connor fought who's a real wrestler? Oh, he fought, he fought Mendez. Oh, so he fought Mendez, so now automatically he's great against all wrestlers. And he quieted the conversation. No. It's like he absorbs everyone else's accomplishments and their powers and their resumes to justify his own. And the media does this for Connor. And it's crazy. It's like Connor can't, you know, fight a wrestler. He got grounded for what? 12 minutes of that fight, knocked him out, and now he's, oh, wrestlers are no problem. How? We've seen him against one wrestler. But suddenly, he's now a wrestling savant and a great wrestler, and they're no problem for him because we have that in mind off the accomplishments of Chad Mendez, who is one of the best wrestlers that division has ever seen. And the same thing with Jose Aldo. So when people say, hey, Frankie Edgar, Frankie Edgar, even though doesn't do it for me, but now Frankie's a you know he's a monster. Styles make fights. What if he just grounded Conor McGregor like he just did Yair? What if he just you know he was a dog in the octagon? But people don't even care about that fight anymore because Frankie lost to Aldo and Conor absorbed all of Aldo's accomplishments. So automatically in everyone's head, Conor watches Frankie Edgar. It's crazy. The guy it is. is, and so is Aldo's resume is still super strong. It just doesn't count for him anymore. His legacy now just strengthened Conor McGregor. Conor ate that shit and grew like it was a mushroom Super Mario Bros. That's, that's yeah, all it is. You have a point. I mean, that, that is very true. Um, it, I'm just saying, like, Jose Aldo will never be the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter as long as Conor McGregor's here. Conor McGregor is like the worst person to play video games with. <laughs> like, you, you play Tekken with Conor McGregor, and he, he beats you, and then he puts down the controller and, and moves on to the next game. That's it. And it's like, it, it's like he spams like the, the button and he spams it and he beats you. And you'd be like, dude, I figured you out. I can beat you. Nah, not going to play. Let's play Street Fighter. Oh, no, I'm done with that. All right, let's play Call of Duty. Like, he, he doesn't stick anywhere to defend what he has. Nope. It's kind of crazy. And he doesn't have to because he's just building off the accomplishments of others. It's the, it's the most amazing thing I've seen in, in Conor McGregor's narrative so far. Is that not only casual fans. Like, media members, people who've been around MMA for decades, fall into the trap of lending other people's accomplishments to Conor McGregor. Eddie, no, no one wants to see an RDA fight anymore. No one. No one would have wanted to see RDA could have won, whatever it may be. No one wanted to see that. Why? Because Conor beat Eddie, and that's it. Anyone Eddie has beaten, yo, Conor could beat them. Off top, it's just assumed. He's just taking people's resume. And going forward, Aldo can carry that belt for the next five years if he wanted to. And it's only going to make Conor McGregor's legacy even better. That's true. Because it's like Great. Aldo is the most dominant featherweight, you know, you know, in the history of MMA. But he lost to Conor McGregor. So Conor McGregor is that much better. Like, it's only, he's only building Conor's legacy from here on out because he lost once. It's Amazing. Him and that's where Connor and Floyd have so much in common. Because you look at Floyd and his resume, be like, objectively, I'd be like, look at when he fought these guys. He fought them at opportune times. But you can't tell me that Pacquiao's entire legacy doesn't boost Floyd Mayweather. And once you lose to him, it's just like, yo, everything you do from here on out going forward, just boost him. Canelo can end up one of the greatest Mexican fighters ever. And that's just going to make Floyd look that much better. It's, it's insane. I, 
it's a dynamic that you rarely see, and it's great to watch. And it's only two guys who can really do that True right now in the sport, and they damn near my fight. Um, let's go to the co-main event, though. Just run down the card real quick. Uh, Claudia Galdeja versus Carolina Kovalkiewicz. Um, Tough fight. I'm taking Claudia in this one. I just like Claudia's style. I, I saw her against Joanna, grounding her and putting her on the floor. And if that was a three-round fight, Claudia wins it. So this is a three-round fight. I'm going to give it to Claudia. It's not five. Claudia's, listen, her, her biggest weakness is her cardio. It won't get tested. Yeah, um, I'm picking Claudia as well. Um, Carolina Kalakiewicz, it's, it's interesting because both of them, between the two of them, they have three losses, and they're also the same person. <laughs> That's so, going to happen a lot to a yeah, lot of people in that division. It's really rough. But um, the, what's crazy is, you know, Claudia is like a uh, a minus like 300 favorite, which if I'm a betting person, I'm betting on Carolina. Carolina Kalakiewicz, because th- minus three, that's kind of disrespectful for somebody who only lost one fight. Um, but... I think the, where the fight gets interesting is as soon as Claudia decides to take it to the ground. And if it gets to the ground, I don't know if Carolina can really deal with it. The submission game seems pretty legit. Well, it but is. that was top. That was being on top on the ground. So who knows? I mean, you know, Carolina's not going to take her down. So she's going to try to keep it striking as long as possible. Now, if Carolina is able to keep it striking for three rounds, she has a very good chance of winning this fight. But I'm picking Claudia. I'm picking Claudia. Claudia's already said that Rose Namajunas deserves the title shot, even though Rose has no chance in hell of beating Joanna. And she'll just kind of wait. And I like that inner. I like her saying, yeah, I want to fight her again. But she, you're on the Frankie Edgar side of things right now. I want to <laughs> fight her again, but I can't. And, I, you know, I just kind of kind of wait and beat up people until they give me the opportunity. Yo, you just want someone else to catch Joanna with some spinny shit so they can win. And then somehow you slide in and you beat them for the title. Yep. That, that's like the best case scenario at this point. And... So it makes sense, Claudia and Carolina, for them to just sit back and wait and be like, nah, someone else go test her. Just in case you luck up and beat her. And hope that there's not an immediate rematch. Um, going, oh, Old Man Belfort. You've been talking a lot about him on the champion oh, side of things. Old Man Belfort not hanging it up, it doesn't look like, at this fight. Versus Nate Marquardt. Uh, I'm not picking him to win, though. What's the testing no. procedures on this? It depends. This is Usada, so... No, it's still in Brazil. People run from that shit. Yeah, you can run as much as you can, but you shot it will catch you. <laughs> um, Vitor Belfort has gotten steamrolled in three straight fights, and it wasn't even competitive in three straight fights. Now, granted, the Gaston fight was no contest, but he was ran over in that fight too. At least Nate Marquardt has won a fight at the time, and uh, Vitor has a glass jaw now. I mean, he's just—he's not the same dude. The last person he beat was Dan Henderson, um, and he's still the favorite somehow. I guess because it's in Brazil. So yeah. I'm picking uh, Nate Warquart to knock him out. Yeah. Smart money's on Nate. You want to bet. Take Nate. Nate um, is the underdog, by the way. He is a, he's like a plus, like, 160. Stupid. Parlay that. Just parlay everything together and try to get out quick with that dough. Um, okay, we have Paolo. I can't pronounce these last names. If I can't pronounce it, we're not talking about it. Uh, Eric Silva versus Yancey Medeiros. That's actually a pretty good fight. Um, Man, Eric Silva is probably the most one of the most frustrating fighters I've ever seen in the UFC. He, <laughs> uh, some nights he's he's it looks like a world dominator. There was a time when people thought he was going to be the next champion, and then for whatever reason he just comes into I don't know if it's, it's motivation, but he just fights a completely different fight. And he you know he's got a great jujitsu game. He's aggressive. He's exciting. Um, but I think he has to be Yancey in Brazil because it's in his backyard. So 
I'm picking Eric Silva. I don't, I don't know what you have, but I, I just don't ever trust Eric Silva. I'm taking Yancey. Um, it has to be by KO because that's the only way I think Eric Silva loses. Uh, now that you look at his record, it's just it's either him grinding people out for wins or him getting KO'd. There, there is no middle ground. Um, I'm just picking Yancey because, yeah, I, I just don't trust it. And both of these guys, they, they lose to better competition. I just I can't pinpoint who's better in this case. So I'm going with Yancey to win, and you're just rolling with it. You know, but put a little money down maybe before I hit the Bay Area. Uh, Yancey and Nate Marquardt, see if I come up on this parlay. Um, Rafael Asensio versus Marlon Moraes. First fight. Tough first fight, if you ask me. I know Asensio is, you know, lost a couple and all this stuff, but he's not too far removed from a title shot. No, he's not. But Marlon Moraes making his debut after running rough shot over the entire World, World Series of Fighting, uh, Pro League, whatever you want to call it now. Um, yeah, I'm picking Marlon, man. I, I think Marlon's a great addition to the division. And for a division that's, that's become extraordinarily interesting now with uh, Cody Garbrandt, TJ Dillashaw, um, you still got Aljamain Sterling. You still got Thomas Almeida hanging around there. You obviously got Dominic Cruz. Moraes is a very interesting uh Interesting addition, and I hope he beats a Sunsal because I think it'd be nice to get some new blood in there, and somebody who's exciting too because Maurice is a finisher. Man, a Sunsal's record has been great lately, though. Now that I'm yeah. looking at it, beat Aljamain Sterling, lost to TJ at you know UFC 200, which okay, no shame in that. But before then, beat Brian Caraway. Two fights before that Brian Caraway fight, he beat TJ Dillashaw in, in a split decision. Like he has some wins on his record. He should have won that Dillashaw fight, but whatever. He, <laughs> he has some wins on his record, so it's not going to be easy, but I'll take Marlon. Um, usually I pick the Bellator guys or, you know, just the out-of-promotion guys. Bellator, World Series, all this stuff, to lose their first fight. Just because you got to get used to bright lights and everything. I think Marlon's ready, though. I think he hits the ground running and he wins that fight. Um, that's pretty much it. Shout out to Jamie Moyle, fighting out of Vegas. Um, making her UFC debut on the undercard. Fight past main event, women's strawweight fight. I'll be uh, tuned in for that just because I've seen Jamie Moyle and tough enough out here. She was the tough enough champion and earned the, yeah. the crazy Invicta contract off of winning their women's tournament. So that's uh, it's great to see her make a UFC debut. Um, that's about, oh, Gus and Glover. How am I skipping over that? One fight to yeah. review from last week. Uh, that combo by Gus, though. Woo. Woo. He was spamming the Mortal Kombat uppercut button. That's what he did. Mercy. I, like, <laughs> Jesus, and then you ripped him with the right hook. So, I mean, that being said, yes, Gus is firmly entrenched as the number two guy in the light heavyweight division. Um, and him and John Jones going at it. I, look, I said it before. I always thought John Jones should fight Gus before he fights DC. I, it's just a tough fight. It's a horrible matchup for John. But that's what John deserves. At this point in his career for fucking up so many times, yeah, I know. I mean, I, if DC didn't want this fight so bad, I'd be totally okay with him fighting Jimmy Manawa instead. But the, the bad blood is forced to John Jones-DC fight. But for punishment, John Jones should have to fight Alexander Gustafson. Yeah, but I think, at, listen, I think if John Jones wins, which he most likely will, um, John will fight Gus, and DC on his rebound fight will fight Jimmy Manawa. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I mean, there's only four or five people in this division. And then every now and then you get Rumble chiming in on Twitter that he's getting an itch. Well, ain't nobody listening to Rumble. (laughs) Um, Too much weed. Yeah, nobody's listening to Rumble. But I mean, there's also, 
you have uh, uh, Ozdemir, Volkan Ozdemir, who destroyed Misa Serkinov, who's now, he's fighting Jimmy Manuel, I believe, in 214 now. Yeah, they're on the same uh, card. So now we got a, uh, we have something a little bit more interesting in the light heavyweight division. So I'm glad that there was another name there. But, you know, but Gus just looks phenomenal in that fight. Um, and, I mean, he put in work. Make yeah. Lover look like a novice. Wasn't sure. even close. Nah, and and some of the striking, right. the, the elbows, the knees, God, it was so fluid. And I thought he, there was four or five times in a fight where I thought he was going to knock Glover out before the knockout combination. Yeah. And Glover Pretty. just, yo, his chin is crazy. So shout out to him. But that's, his corner let him take too much punishment. He got beat up. He got beat you up. You shouldn't let old people get beat up. That shit ain't cool. <laughs> it ain't cool, bro. Um, all right, let's switch over to wrestling before we get out of here because we're going straight through on the podcast. Um, if you guys don't know, we've been stupid busy this week, and I'll be crazy busy this weekend, but make sure you guys tune into New Japan and the finals of the Best of the Super Juniors tournament. We're going to talk about that next week because we got to catch up on everything. I'm not going to have any time until I get back from San Fran on Monday to even watch wrestling. So um, make sure you guys... Tune into that. We'll all talk about it together. By now, I'm sure we've sold at least half of our fan base on buying New Japan World. So we should be okay. We should be okay to talk about it, and we'll avoid spoilers until then. We got to talk WWE Extreme Rules, a.k.a. the night that Roman Reigns built. Uh, no way anyone else wins this, right? Well, no. I don't know. Dude. Okay. So the issue is... They wanted. It seems like they want to do Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar for WrestleMania. It seems like that's the route that they wanted to go, because they both beat the Undertaker, and now they have something that they share, and they teased it right after WrestleMania. So it seems like that's the route they want to go. To have them wrestle Brock Lesnar in his return bout at uh, Great Balls of Fire seems stupid. So that means <laughs> that somebody else. That no. means somebody else needs to win the, this match. Can we stop calling it Great Balls of Fire? GBF. GBF. Yeah, like, come on. We just can't say that with a, with a straight face. Yeah, we'll have to call it GBF. Um, so. What are you going to do? So, feed Bray to him again? Maybe. I mean, Joe's not going to win it because they, they haven't done enough with Joe, which is I'm getting to the point now where it's going to be indifference about Joe, uh, Samoa Joe. Um, well, he's been really good, I think, on television. He, he hasn't, but nobody really cares. And I mean, maybe it's just nobody cares about WWE programming on Raw, but nobody cares. So it's like, I don't feel feel that Joe is a legitimate threat to win this match. And then then having him fed the Lesnar would be too soon. Yeah. I don't think there's any way Brock loses his first match after beating the under. Uh, no, but him versus Joe would be one hell of a match. It would, but I don't I don't want to see a foregone conclusion. I think you could build Joe up to be a formidable opponent later. Um. So I kind of feel like Seth Rollins might win this match. Hmm. Seth Rollins has become the guy that can take a loss, and it's okay. So he's become and Dean Ambrose. Kind of, yeah, somewhat. And the <laughs> fact that Seth lost to Roman Reigns, like, w, like you know how they have MMA math? This should be pro wrestling math as well. The fact that Roman Reigns beat Seth Rollins on Raw should mean that it should come back around, that Rollins should somehow find a way to win this match. Finn Balor shouldn't win this match. Because Finn Balor shouldn't beat Brock Lesnar at Great Balls of Fire because that just doesn't make sense. If Finn Balor, if he's going to win back the Universal title, should be on a bigger stage like SummerSlam. So this, this ugh, Great Balls of Fire. Who the fuck came up with his name? <laughs> Yo, Vince was on just some of the best shit in the world. And then he's just like, 
ah, great balls of fire. They're probably taking shots of fireball and shit. You see him on the cover of him. No, it was it was going on Twitter the other day. He's ripped at seventy one. Oh God, his veins got Dude. veins. He looks like Jinder Mahal. Him and Jinder are in the same shit. You're probably right. You're probably. Yo, that's how Jinder got the push. Jinder's like, yo, Vince, want to know how to get this pump, bro? And then he's just like, I got this shit. And Vince is like, oh my god, look how ripped I am. Jinder, you're gonna get the belt. Oh my god, you're probably right. That's so crazy. <laughs> yo, <laughs> yo, they're both insanely fucking ripped. Their veins have veins. <laughs> yo, it's crazy. Jinder Mahal is our champion. Can we get a round of applause every week? We just gotta be hype. Trump, yo, listen, man. At the news station, every day I gotta post some Trump shit. Every day. You know what pains me? Side note, is that I have to type President Trump when I'm I write sorry. stuff. Yeah, and I put the, if I'm writing about the president, I never put our president or anything like that. But even typing President Trump, a lot of times I just try to like write Trump just to like be quippy. Just to leave it out, because that shit ain't cool. But with all this Trump shit, we got Jinder Mahal. Let's go, Jinder. And they did the little Indian dance and shit when he came out. It was like the Bollywood boys and then some actual Bollywood people. Yo, he's fly. And he got the black turban. He looks like Jafar. He's actually a good champion. I like him better already than Randy Orton. This is ridiculous. (laughs) And they announced the rematch for Randy Orton. The next pay-per-view, Money in the Bank. I don't, nobody cares. Nobody cares? You didn't like the first match. I'm, I'm huh? here for... You didn't like the first match, though. No, because nobody cares. Like, dude, that feud sucks. Um, everybody's going to be watching the Money in the Bank. That should headline the pay-per-view. Oh, hopefully it does. Um, I want to see Knock win it and then just run through Jinder Mahal. So that, that'd be great. Uh, Sami Zayn, though. Like you, I think it was you. Somebody's been saying Sami Zayn might get the, the push. That'd be, said, that'd be a good move. He um, won't, but I said it. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be he, bad. He won't. First women's Money in the Bank match ever? Yeah, wrong women, though. Ooh, Raw would have been better? No. SmackDown's deeper. I just thought if you put them together, it would have been a better match. If you took, like, Sasha and Bailey and Alexa and put them with Naomi and Charlotte and Natalia. That's probably a better match. What is Naomi doing? She's not doing anything there, right? She just sent back and no, she's a champion? Just, yeah, she's just going to watch. Oh, I mean, it'd be funny. I, I think it would be funny if if so, whoever won, like, if she's, like, doing commentary, just cracked her over the head with a briefcase, threw her ass in the weight ring, and pinned her. Granted, that won't happen, but I just think it would be funny. <laughs> Immediate cash in. <laughs> yeah, you win it, you, like, hold the briefcase up, you point at her, and just crack her over the head with it and pin her. Because... I think we need the Charlotte heel turn again. So I mean, that wouldn't be a bad way to get. Yeah, I just I don't know. Anyway, um, let's go back to Extreme Rules. Yeah, I mean, shit, that was it with SmackDown. So we don't we don't got to go far. We don't got to go back. That was pretty pretty much it for SmackDown. Um, Dean Ambrose versus The Miz. You care? I don't care. No, I absolutely. I've seen this shit like eighteen times this year. I when I say I don't care when I say I don't give a fuck I don't care like this match is this is one that I just this cares? shit is an anti extreme match if Ambrose is disqualified he loses the title yeah you put this on an extreme rules right it's Come the on. opposite of extreme um, Alexa Bliss bless her heart she's the best woman in the company right now uh, Kendo stick on a pole match I never like these matches but she's so tiny and she swings that Kendo stick with such force she's like Altuve. 
from the fucking Houston Astros. <laughs> like, she's just tiny with a ton of low power. She looks so cute with that kendo stick. Alexa Bliss. She's she's killing 2017 right now. Um, I'm rooting for her. The hell with Bailey. I don't care. Um, first things first. That this is your life thing was terrible. Oh my god, that was bad on Raw. I have no idea why they even did that. Um, that being said, Bailey's been really bad lately. She's like as in, a character. Yeah, like the underdog. Ba- people worried a lot if she can pull that little girl act on the main roster. But, it's, dude, it was like a, like I said from the jump, it was too much too soon. They put her in the title picture way too fast. They had her win the title on a Raw out here in Vegas, which in a vacuum was a great moment. But when you think about it in the long term, it took away all the momentum of, of what could be done. So, Bailey just sucks on Raw. And she just she just hasn't been a good addition. Um, that, I'm, I hope Alexa Bliss retains. Now I'm just getting to the point where it's like watching Alicia Fox and Sasha Banks feud, dude. Raw sucks. Raw's not good. Like I'm not gonna lie, they don't pair their best talent together. Um, the five people who matter are all in one match, so they're all in one storyline. So there's really nothing else to watch. Roman, Seth, Finn, Bray, and Samoa Joe. Like you probably should split those guys up into three different angles and make your three hours worth watching. But all of them being in the same angle, kind of like, all right, whatever. And I Hulu that. And I still got to fast forward through shit. <laughs> um, Hardy Boys versus Cesaro and Sheamus. Wake me up when we get the broken characters. Right now, I might just go down to the owl and be like, yo, come on, man. You got to go. You got to run up in the owl like Ice Cube did. And just start breaking shit. And just make them release you. Yeah, that's, that's a mess. Um and it's weird because, you know, as much as we like the Hardys, I feared that this would kind of happen because, like, this feud has gone nowhere. Um, it's in a cage, so the match should be good because, I mean, we have fully capable wrestlers in this match. It's just it's just weird booking. And I, like, I, I don't know. This wasn't a fan of how this whole thing came together. So, uh, yeah, whatever. I'm well, picking the Hardy boys to win and retain. but It looks like top guys are back in the building. Yeah, I mean, the curious case of who's beating up Enzo is a... Uh, <laughs> it's another like, horrible I, angle. God, I hope to God it's not Big Cass. If it's Big Cass, I'm, the, I'm not watching Raw. I'm <laughs> yo, yo, if it's Cass and it's a breakup? Oh, shit, that'd be genius. Um, that, that, that is a Vince move. Oh, my God, look at the specimen. We've <laughs> got to break him up from that midget. Like, and, he, and that'd be the end of Enzo because he can't really wrestle that well. No. So, yeah, it's all bad. All bad. Yeah, hopefully that's not the case. I don't know why you put that in my mind. Um, yeah, that's horrible. Hopefully it is the Revival, and the ri- Revival come back and get this this title shot here in a second. Um, Neville versus Austin Aries, submission match. I could watch these two wrestle all the damn time. So you never I – don't, I don't care. The Cruiserweight division doesn't have to shake it up at all. No. Just, There's just, nobody else there. No, nah, just give me these two all the damn time. I don't care. I'm, I'm fine with this. Uh, Tazawa's actually been pretty fun, though. Well, Tazawa was good in Dragon Gate. Um, I got to see him in PWG. Like, Tazawa's a good wrestler. He had a the good match thing uh, was... on 205 Live the other day. Oh, with, with Kendrick? Yeah. That, uh, yeah. I actually watched spots. That. Yo, that shit was good. It yeah, was a good match. Was... Tazawa might have to get the push. I mean... I don't even know what a push means on 205 Live. I don't know, but, I mean, the push on 205 Live is the one spot you have on Monday Night Raw, right? 
Yeah, that's what it's like. You want to appear on Monday Night Raw? <laughs> Win this match. That's it. So, like, I mean, he might be that next guy. You know, Gallagher had his, and then once it's done, you fade back. Um, Swan is finally getting a second one, but it's in a trash angle. Ugh. Yeah, it's it's horrible. But Tazawa and the crowd, and they, ha, ha, ha. That shit's hot. You ever just sit there and yell at somebody? That's just it's genius. You don't even got to speak English. <laughs> Yo, that's genius. You just yell it at someone. He's like a Dragon Ball Z character. It is yeah. so dope. Um, okay, talk about the last match. Rich Swan, Sasha Banks versus Noam Dar and Alicia Fox. Dog, this isn't on the pre-show? Like, how did this happen? This like, is not how, on the pre-show? You, yo, you know this match is bad when it ends up on the actual pay-per-view. Yo, I like Noam Dar and the way he says Alicia Fox. He's pretty <laughs> funny. He's a funny kid. Nah, I don't know too much about him as a wrestler. Like, his matches, even in 205, like, they don't excite me. Cruiserweight Classic. I was like, okay. Like all he, all I know is that he zips his jacket up pretty cool. That's about. <laughs> That's all you need in wrestling. That's, That's it. So, you just yeah, watch I, mad Bret Hart tapes on how to zip your jacket up. Yeah. See. Yeah. I don't Rich care. Swan and um, Sasha are gonna lose though because they've been winning every week. Yeah, dude. When Sasha lost to Alicia Fox, I was like, "Fuck this! This doesn't make any sense anymore." Um. So yeah, that's that's extreme rules. Is there anything else to talk about? Is there anything to talk about on SmackDown? Uh, the return of the New Day. Oh, They're New back. Day. Yeah, New Day rocks. Uh, all right, what else? <laughs> I mean, I just, they just have to go full on against the Suwusos. Who well, I like the Suwusos, but it's hard to cool off uh, Breezango right now. Well, they're just a fun tag team to watch right now. Yo, they were uh, supposed to be placeholders, and then this fashion police shit took off. And it's like, how do you take them off of television? Yeah, it's like totally. It, it, this is what happens when you have two guys that were going nowhere fast. You were like, just do something fun. It's it's, it's the complete opposite of turning gold dust on our truth, right? Oh, it's I like gold dust now. I like a uh, nineteen ninety five gold dust again. Yeah, but it's whack. Like, I mean, it's a, what I mean by that is this is fun. Like the fast police, it's like they they just kind of said, what do you have? And they were like, we have this. They're like, go do it. And in terms of gold dust and our truth, where do they even wrestle this match? Good That's question. my question. That has to be the pre-show match. So if you're what? asking what's the pre-show match, I'm assuming that'll be added as it. Well, that's pretty um, shit. Or you get Apollo Crews in the Titus brand. Oh, God. Like, the, the, those two, like, <laughs> Raw is too goddamn long. Like, it's just too long, and they just fill it with it. It's, dude, dude I say it every week. This is the biggest misappropriation of talent ever. Like, like, you have all this talent on Raw, but you have all this talent in the WWE. They're completely misused. Well, I kind of like SmackDown's every- use of stuff. Yeah, but Smack, it just with SmackDown, it feels like it's. I mean, the fact that, that your title picture is Jinder Mahal and Randy Orton. Yeah, yeah, that's it's kind. Of, it's kind of foolish, right? And but you like, know, next week we get Knock versus Kevin Owens. Like it's the main event on a normal ass SmackDown. And it's and that's kind of wild to me too, because when you have this much talent, it's like, well, what do you do? You know, it's like it's like what do you do with all this talent? You start booking them on weekly shows. Yeah. Those matches should be a little bit bigger. Yeah. Well, yo, it seems like you got a visitor. Um, I actually have to pack because my girlfriend just came in the door and she's looking at me like, yo, are we leaving tomorrow or are we leaving tomorrow? So anything else in pro wrestling before this person uh, runs off? I'm sure that's like your package or something. You need something. You're yeah. always ordering Amazon. Um, I think that's it for right now. So make sure you guys follow us on social media. You know, I'm at Kel Dansby. He's at Andreas Hale. He has to open the door. I got to run and pack. Until next week, we're out. Peace.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.